Well, to be honest, I was kind of hoping the sharing time would just continue. In fact, that's what I was asking God, but that's not what he chose. I said, God, you want me to go up there and start speaking now. I've got this tender heart for the children that are in broken homes. It's not fair. But yet God allows it. But yet he's so loving that he pursues these children too. He wants to be a father to them too. So I've been, I was blessed enough. I, I'd be ready to go home. So I don't know for sure how much I'll share. Just blessings to each one. There once was a man in a state medium security prison who wanted freedom. And he came up with this foolproof plan to break out of prison. He was working in the laundry room. Thank you. And had the idea to hide himself in the laundry cart under the clothes as they were taken out of the prison in a truck. After a while, someone pushed the laundry cart out into a truck and drove for a while. Eventually, the truck came to a stop and was parked. When the prisoner no longer heard anyone around the around he climbed out of the laundry cart and took up and looked up at the sign on the wall that read maximum security prison <laughs> you know that's what we face in our life when we on our own try to escape out of sin's prison when we believe the lies of satan you know it was jesus and only jesus that took Leanne out of that sin's prison of thinking she's a nobody. Because in Jesus Christ, we're somebody. God has never created a nobody. Because we were all, and some are still, in sin's prison. And the harder we try on our own, it seems the more we become entangled. It's like that fly that gets caught in that spider web. The more that fly fights and tries and tries, the more it's entangled. And that fly will never come out of there on its own. If somebody comes along and picks it out, then it's free. And that's exactly where we are in sin. It takes Jesus to come and lift us out of that condition. He is the one who has pardoned us from that prison. 
If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. We can try so hard, like we heard Delbert, Delbert, but maybe three weeks later, we're in it again. A lot of times, maybe worse. But it's when Jesus Christ sets us free, now we're free indeed. Then it's the Holy Spirit that keeps us from getting entangled again. It convicts us. If we're walking in it, in the Spirit. <clears throat> I've titled the message today, Walking in the Spirit. I probably won't get through all of it today. What I've even got prepared, and there's another sermon at home on the desk after this. Um, so I don't know where I'll stop. Just pray that I'll be walking in the Spirit today, that I can know when to stop. So before I get started with the walking in the Spirit, I want to cover a little bit so you understand what it means when we're walking in the flesh. Because that's where we are when we're born. We are all born in the flesh. With our backs, I think it's Ephesians 2, we're not for God. We're His enemy. And we've got to understand before we can be saved, we must be lost. We must recognize we are lost. If we never recognize that, how can you be saved? Ephesians 2, And you hath he quickened, quickened is made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, Wherein in times past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So what is flesh? I don't know if there's anyone... Maybe there has been, but I say with our pastors that has pounded more on crucifying the flesh. That's something that Delbert, I guess, pounded me five years ago or so. And the flesh is the avenue or the means in which Satan performs his work. He works through our flesh. You know, within our body, there are five senses. It's the seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, and smelling. So when we walk in the flesh... We're following the instinctives, and instinctives are the pleasures, if that makes sense. And it's associated with those senses. We are, if you're living so that you're always feeling good, chances are you're not living in the Spirit. If we know what is right 
and it doesn't feel good, we still need to do it. He that knows to do right and does not do it, to him it is sin. Our feelings control us. That's the controlling factor of our life, is our feelings. That's when we're walking in the flesh, or after the flesh. 2 Timothy 3, it says, This know also that the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such. Turn away. Do we love pleasure more than God? Do we follow our feelings? Those are the pleasures. I'm not saying we can't go and have fun. Please, please don't. I'm not saying that we can't go have fun. I like to go fishing and stuff like that. But it's more, is that our pursuit? Is always following the pleasures. Then Romans 13, verse 14, But put on ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh, to fulfill the lust thereof. Provision actually means that you're making room for the flesh to express itself. You're making provision for it. And we at times can actually arrange circumstances so that can happen. Why? Because it feels good. Have you ever committed a sin while you were sinning that it didn't feel good? That you didn't enjoy? That's what opened my eyes is we really, we enjoy sin if we're in it. But afterward comes the condemnation, the guilt, the shame. But while we are in the sin, we're enjoying it, or else we wouldn't do it. And if we're walking in it, we're actually, we're walking in the flesh, and we're walking, and we're in the dominion of Satan. We're under his dominion, under his power. Now the world, what's world? It's the system of thoughts and practices that are under the dominion of Satan. Now, what does the Bible say about the world? In James 4, 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. We cannot be living under that dominion of Satan and proclaiming that we are a son of God. It doesn't work. We're an enemy.
It is true, though. Everyone hears and walks after a spirit. But not everyone is walking after the spirit, the Holy Spirit. We're all walking in and after and listening to a spirit. Every one of us. So how do we then crucify the flesh? To be honest, you see faith, you can't have faith unless the Holy Spirit is within you and draws you. Then there is where your faith begins. And then faith comes by hearing and the hearing by the word of God. Okay. Now, this faith, the Holy Spirit has drawn you, so you now, you want to obey the word. So, it says we need to crucify the flesh. So how do we do it? We, by faith, we just enter into it, and then when we have entered into it, then we just, by faith, live out that day, and saying, by faith, I am going to walk above the power of my flesh. That's how we crucify our flesh. We have to wake up in the morning and enter into that. I hope it makes sense. That's, that's just a burden on my heart because we will never live above sin if we can't do that. And we won't be walking in the Spirit. So I want to teach a little on how do we receive the Holy Spirit. Because there's false teaching out there. <coughs> and I guess I'm going to be blunt. I'm going to be honest. There's a burden that is burning in my heart. There's... I guess what really burns in my heart is because a lot of the people that come from the same place I have that have left and are seeking and but yet they don't understand. They're ignorant and then they fall for these things because they're so hungry for truth and they fall for anything. So they go to these tent things where these people proclaim they can release the spirit where do I want to start they call themselves seers or prophets and I'm, I know I've was wondering should we name them but Paul has in the scriptures and the one is Joe Zupes Joe Z there's others also that I don't know the names of, but are also doing this. What I say, they call themselves seers, or, for, or the uh, prophets, same name. I call them nothing more than glorified fortune tellers. I'll bring out some scripture later why I call them that. 
It's that, it's that spirit, to be honest. But furthermore, why or what good does it do to have someone come and prophesy over us? What good does it do? If we truly, if we truly have the assurance of salvation and we know who we are in Christ Jesus, why do we need someone to prophesy over us? We know where we stand. What good does it do? Why do we want it? I didn't ask him if I can share this. But I think I know my brother good enough I'm going to. Delbert Schrock. This Joe Z was coming towards him to prophesy over him. He was like, oh, oh boy, you know, what do I do? And the Spirit told him, don't accept anything this man says. See, they build a platform and claim to be able to see or determine your future or tell you the strong points or weaknesses and all this. And while they're preaching, they keep the crowd riled. They got to keep it going. Why? When I'm preaching, I hope the Holy Spirit is what's doing the moving and not me. And don't you believe that Satan knows your weaknesses or your strong points? Just by how you respond to the temptations. First John 4 verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So I looked up this false prophet in the original language. What was he talking about? False prophet is a spurious prophet. Okay, so well, what does spurious mean? Is not proceeding from the source pretended, not genuine, illegitimate, and apparent, but not real. Then the second meaning was pretended foreteller or religious imposter. That's why I call them glorified fortune telling tellers. At the end of the service, he invites all to stand who want to receive the Holy Spirit. And then on the count of three, he'll release the Spirit. And in the meantime, you know, he's got him riled up and whatever all. And so then on the count of three, he'll release it, and they start speaking in tongues. Do you believe that only speaking in tongues, that speaking in tongues only come from God?
Lucifer had said, I will be like the Most High. And he has a counterfeit for everything good of God. First, and then also, what I ask is, where is the interpreter? If they're speaking in tongues, where is the interpreter? First Corinthians 14. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. And I hope we all know and believe that we do not receive the Holy Spirit from someone who stands up there and counts to three and is going to release it. You may receive a spirit, but it's not going to be the spirit. You know, Satan can come and it appears so good and so real. He comes as an angel of light. Ezekiel 36, verse 25 to 27. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols while I cleanse you. I might have this out of place. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put in you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do these. It only comes from God. Now we can maybe be a tool to lead them there, but I cannot release the spirit onto you. It only comes from God. God is the only one who sends the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you in remembrance all things that I said unto you. John 15, 26. But when the Comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth will perce who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. You receive the Holy Spirit at your new birth. That's why you become a spiritual being. His Spirit witnesses with our spirit then we invite Jesus to come in because the Spirit has drawn us. So we respond and we invite Him in. So Jesus Christ comes in and the Spirit comes with Him. You cannot separate that Godhead. They do have different functions, but you cannot separate it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they are one. If you have Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. So if you go somewhere and you stand up, you want the Holy Spirit, you're saying you don't have Jesus. 
because you can't separate them. That's when the true Holy Spirit experience happens, is in your new birth. It's not this riled up thing where you just feel good about it. You do feel good, yes. But it's real. It lasts. Because His Spirit witnessed with our spirit and that we know we are the sons of God. That's our assurance. We don't need to follow the, this. I call it trash. And see, we're not to be conformed to this world, but be trans, um, transformed by the renewing of our mind. That renewing of the mind, re means again. The re and so, okay, so how can our mind, what, how was it? How can it be again? When Jesus Christ comes in and we become that spiritual being, our mind is transformed back into a mind that Adam and Eve had when they were created. When it was that spiritual connection that they had together. When they had sinned, that connection was broken. So, okay, so we were born lost in sin. So when we become born again and we're in the spirit now, now we have that connection again. That's the renewing of our mind. We have the mind again of how he, God really created it and how he wants it to be. That was his desire. So once that spirit connection happens, now the spirit convicts us of sin. So with that follows repentance. Repentance is a change of direction, a change of thoughts regarding certain actions, and includes regret for wrong activities. Or wrong actions, sorry. Repentance of sin is part of the new birth experience, and unless it is accompanied by faith in the shed blood of Christ for our sins, it will not make us righteous before God. Does that make sense? Repentance of sin is part of the new birth experience and unless it is accompanied by faith in the shed blood of Christ for our sins, it will not make us righteous before God. You know, we can repent. Let's say I'd be a smoker and someone comes and says, you know, you should stop smoking. That's not good for your health. Because of that, I would repent. I would quit smoking. Does that make me righteous with God? I haven't repented towards God it takes true repentance it's, we don't repent for the people or for the church Acts 20 verse 21 testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ if a person does not change direction regarding certain actions that are sinful because he sees it as a sin against God then repentance may simply be in vain. We must see it as sinning against God. And you might wonder why I'm sharing all this. But folks, this has got to happen if we want to be walking in the Spirit. That's why I'm sharing this. 
I'm kind of laying the foundation, so to speak. True Yeah, true repentance is based on having an understanding that all sin is against God and all change of action must be prompted by the Holy Spirit in our heart and conscience. This type of repentance is acceptable with God and will remove the penalty of sin from us. Actually, it says he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we can, we can enter into that by faith. And once that happens, we need to be absolutely persuaded that God has given the believer all the resources to live in victory every day. We need to enter into it every day. Is when we don't enter into it is when we fail. And this is what will enable the believer to live in and walk in the Spirit. As taught in Galatians 5, verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And in verse 16, prior to that, he said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Do we believe that? Does that say, maybe then, if we fulfill the lust of the flesh, that's saying we're not walking in the Spirit. Is that what that is saying? Because it says, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Is that where we're failing when we fulfill the lust of the flesh? Is recognizing, confessing, repenting, saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I recognize I am not walking in the Spirit when this happens. And entering into all resources that God has provided for us to live above every day. We must, by faith, enter into it. So hopefully, I have laid a solid foundation for you to understand how we receive the Holy Spirit so we can walk in the Spirit. And this might be an abrupt end, but it's time to close. So I will pray, and then I've asked Jonathan. Keith, would you want to close then? And I've asked Jonathan to lead the song about... Um, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Hopefully, our hearts, if you haven't had the Spirit, that this has laid the foundation for you. That while we're singing, let's sing it with a, a broken and a contrite heart to God. That He would melt us, mold us, and fill us. You know, we want to be used, but we don't really want to go through the melting. But it's got to happen. It takes that broken and a contrite heart. 
That's God will not despise that. I want to close with this verse and then I'll pray. It's in uh, Psalm 51. This is a prayer that we can have. Starting in verse 9. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy, thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And Leanne, I just want to say, I wanted to say when I started and I was very emotional. It's been a pleasure to have you here. And we're going to miss you. Or at least I will. But I want, I want to give you my blessing. And to just hold fast. Let the light shine. And the darkness will flee. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we've had in being together as, as a body, an extension of you, being your hands and your feet, performing your work. Thank you that you have called us. And thank you that we, we have made our election sure. And thank you that you have promised us that we can have the assurance of salvation. And Father, I pray that on each one, that each one would leave today knowing without a shadow of a doubt that they have obtained that salvation. And that that would empower each one of us to live for you. And that we'd, we'd all walk in the Spirit, following your Spirit. Father, we sp pray a special blessing on Leanne as she leaves us. Father, it, it touches our heart on what you have done in her life and in her heart. And Father, I pray for complete healing and that that spirit of adoption could no longer dwell within her but that you would cast it out and that your spirit dwells within her and that there is no room for darkness at all and that she would know and never forget what you've done and that she would rest in you and just glorify you in her life we also pray for her, her mom, Charlotte. Father, we pray that your spirit would move and that it would draw her mother, Charlotte, to you. And some way, Father, break her, melt her heart, that she would respond in a positive way to you so that there could be a connection with Leanne and her mother. that they would all be one with you. 
We pray, we pray for your will to be done. And we just pray for the whole congregation that we would all be alive in your spirit and that we would go forth showing the world that we could be world changers, changing the community, maybe even changing home. Show us, Father. May we be the light, that beacon of hope for someone that is lost. May we be that lighthouse for those who are lost at sea, that we can help them find home. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.